0: who started out as an actor on Degrassi The Next Generation, he played Bruce the Moose, and now writes and directs small, intimate feature films like Edging, featuring friend of the show Paula Brancati, and Acquainted, which just opened in theaters in Toronto and Vancouver, and which I highly recommend you check out. Natty picked Love in the Afternoon, Eric Romare's 1972 study of Frederick, a happily married executive who finds himself reevaluating his happiness when he reencounters an old flame who seems awfully receptive to starting something. The last in the film cycle known as The Six Moral Tales, Love in the Afternoon is a simple, devastating study of bourgeois dissatisfaction played out beautifully by Bernard Verlet as Frederick, Zuzu as Chloe, and Francoise Verlet, Bernard's real-life wife, as Frederick's wife, Helene. It hasn't really lost any of its relevance a half-century later, and if you doubt that, just let Natty make his case. This is someone else's movie.
1: I came to Romare recently, actually. I, I wasn't, I wasn't hip to it, and it was as i was uh writing acquainted mm-hmm. um i i actually showed my dad who's a he's a writer and storyteller uh and he actually suggested that i check out the six moral tales and so i felt as i watched love in the afternoon i was like oh i've written this movie a little bit like i'm i'm this is almost too close like how <laughs> You know how did this just exist out in the ether, and I hadn't been hip to it? But then I sort of got a uh, got excited, and you know, it's it's what I point to. I think a lot of people have asked me if you know there's definitely a link later, you know, yeah. influence in acquainted. But as I watched more Romare I think that's more where I was sort of drawing from, and so I wanted to talk to smarter people than me about it always (laughs) oh don't do that um
0: the yeah Romare this is the first Eric Romare film on the podcast I was kind of stunned it's been 200 some episodes and no one's come near him Hmm. um we almost did was it Pauline at the Beach I think might have been floated once but it didn't happen okay um it's uh it's great that it's great that people are rediscovering him. Uh, there's been a kind of a weird lull after he died. You thought I thought his stuff would come back faster, mm-hmm. and it hasn't. Tiff had that great retrospective. That yeah, was, and nice mm-hmm. And we just had a. Uh, there's been a, a high def restoration in the UK, but not here. Yet. I'm assuming Criterion's working on the rights, and that right. that'll probably finish the job and actually get it in yeah. into the world. But it's it, his movies are so subtle and small that you almost miss them. Right, I mean, you can actually just uh, overlook his his contributions because they're so low stakes. Mm-hmm. But they're not low stakes to the characters in the films. Personal which is, stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just find them beguiling. You mm-hmm. just sort of fall into it and, and watch these people blunder through their lives and and still be you know incredibly French about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, 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 You know, I don't mean that as an insult. It's, sure. It's, these beautiful locations and and splendid fashions and everybody is just b- profoundly put together, but on the inside they're just just screaming masses of uncertainty and insecurity. And, and mm-hmm. from that you get this, a perfectly comfortable, perfectly happy man starting to be drawn to someone else um, against his better judgment, perhaps, but also as, as an acquainted, right? He, he's pretty sure he can get through this. Uh, yeah. And it's the mistake of thinking you know your own heart right? That that is true to all of Romare's films I mm-hmm. think most of them anyway um, but yeah it's it's simple it's uncomplicated and it's incredibly complicated because everything is loaded every smile every gesture every every casual uh, physical contact it's all you know He's conscious of crossing this boundary over and over and over again. Yeah. And he's still
1: doing it. Yeah, he's right there. I I I really appreciate Romare not judging the the action of it. He mm-hmm. sort of he watches it, he watches it, he watches it, and I think he he does a thing where he'll just like hold in a medium on the women, like Zuzu as Frederick just talks about this, that, and the third and sort of expounds on his, like, reasons for doing it. And, oh, I definitely love my wife so much, but, oh, what if she could see us now? And he'll just hold on her and watch her listen. And you're experiencing it through her, but it's it doesn't feel judgmental. You know, she's just there trying to understand the moment just like he is. And I, I think that's rare. I think a lot of people push towards an agenda in a way that, that I think he sort of steps back and it's just like, no, 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 no. This is, yeah. this is just how people <laughs> fall in love or don't fall in love or, you know, want to sleep with someone or can't sleep with someone or need to sleep with someone, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it's the, you know, I'm sure I've used this phrase before, the alchemy of attraction.
0: The idea mm. that we, we all think we understand how that works and nobody does. Right. I mean, maybe three people in history <laughs> and they're all dead now. It's an ineffable quality uh, that you cannot explain. No one... And I I hate that Woody Allen perfected the phrase, but, you know, yeah. the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. That's absolutely true, but you say that in order to distance yourself from the brain. And the heart can want anything it wants, but the brain is supposed to know better, and the conflict in that is the heart of the drama in, in, in this movie, in so many others. Mm-hmm. And... We, as the audience, are on the outside, going, "Oh well, don't do that. That I I know better." (laughs) But but gradually, especially in this film, um, I was going to say Claire's Knee is the only other one that really does it, where you suddenly realize that somehow, completely against your own better judgment, you're on side with this. That we
1: just we get drawn along. Claire's Knee is a story of a
0: fetishist. It's it's a
1: creepy movie. Bizarre, yeah. No, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But. But about forty minutes in, but you're he's there. Just like,
0: well, I hope he's happy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think in that amulet scene, mm. he like, I think he reflects back on. He gets this moment to sort of look at the other five moral tales and be like, mm, that was weird. And he gives those moments. I think he has a, that self reflection, which I think is important for him. Of like. Because he made them over, I guess, eight years, I think, from yeah. from the bakery girl. And he gets to, like, say, ah, I don't like how this guy approached that woman. But I think this moment with that woman might pay off. And he has Claire come back and, and her sister come back. And her sister's the one who is resistant to the amulet. And I think that's him sort of being like, maybe I pushed that yeah. agenda a bit too far. Yeah. You know? Just a little external commentary. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. It counts
0: for... You know, it's maturation. It's there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which and is it's, nice. And it's so... I'm forgetting how long it is, but I remember it being... Yeah, it's 98 minutes and it packs in an entire lifetime, like, basically, of, of moral choices. And these... The... We are seeing decisions that will have... Uh, not just lasting impact on his life, but they'll resonate throughout everything else. And, mm-hmm. and it, it feels so... Um... It feels so considered, and it does. Yeah, it does feel like the last of this cycle. It feels yeah. like the one where he's been ruminating on decisions, as you say, and and, and thinking, rethinking some earlier choices, and, mm-hmm. and giving giving Frederick a chance to to maybe represent the right call. Yeah. Um, but he just has to understand what he's doing. Like he, he, we are rooting for him to figure out not to be an idiot. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> don't and, and don't
1: brick this great thing you have going. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and both women are portrayed reasonably. Yeah. There's no uh, temptress aspect of it. No. It's just an attraction. It's not she's not out to ruin his family. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not looking to leave his wife really. But the stakes suddenly just ratchet right up, and here we are in this moment where, moment after moment, where it would be simpler for them to just leave the room and right. neither of them does it Yeah, and so we get pulled
1: into that attraction Chloe pitches it I think she's, she's like this, we just need to we just need to quit it and I think that that draws him in further of saying oh now we have yeah. this emotional bond which in my experience with wanting something outside of a relationship that I'm in mm-hmm. there's that little secrecy all of a sudden that's a more precious thing than discomfort in you know, your relationship yeah. which is a relationship you know and, and and daily and stuff like that but all of a sudden you have this this, this excitement about intimacy right? yeah. like you're
0: experiencing intimacy with another person mm-hmm. on a level that you don't get right right because all shared secrets within a marriage are you know, there aren't new ones. Right. That you you know your partner, you're you're there, mm-hmm. and oh, now we have this other thing with this other person, and yeah, just her saying we shouldn't do this makes him want to do it even more. Yeah. Because, oh, so so you want to also you are telling me that you have the same impulse. Yeah. Yeah. And there and the honesty of that is, I mean the the, the honesty of the film, uh, of knowing seeing and, and understanding and just letting us see this forming, I, I think you know Romero. He's very patient. He, yeah, as you... you know know, medium shots, he doesn't push in. Mm-hmm. It's all just right there happening, and we become the observers that he is. And, you know, you feel like you're getting the insight uh, that you wouldn't ordinarily see mm-hmm. uh, in the world. But yeah. the movie is creating a lens through which we feel smarter... We feel, I mean, that was the sell on his movies at the time, right? Oh, these are the good, you know, art house films. These are, these are elevated. They're, the, uh, Yeah, literary. And, yeah. Yeah. They're thoughtful. They're for grown ups. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but everybody's <laughs> just fucking everybody else. Yes. Right? So <laughs> it's not, it's not more, I mean, it is more adult, I suppose, but mm-hmm. it's not like you could go see a French film and be proud of yourself. Because it came, you came away feeling like with you know there was the French New Wave, there was the legacy of that. Mm -hmm. But you came away from the Ramirez feeling like you just had more insight. You spent, you saw more, Uh, and I'm wildly overselling it, Uh, but it is just that simple, right? You're just watching truths.
1: Yeah. If it because he because he just keeps his camera on a tripod and just watches, and it like I think it it feels like documentary and you're just in these people's lives and I think that's I think that's true I think it's which is nice like too you're almost too involved in their choice making you know yeah. because yeah. of how he watches them
0: well it makes us complicit
1: yeah right which is what, the other
0: thing that draws you in yeah. is the with the allure of watching someone do something that we're kind of rooting for you know and then actively rooting for halfway through the film when it turns mm-hmm. um but it's, you know, obviously, if it didn't happen, there wouldn't be a movie. We, we're here for the conflict. We're here yeah, for, the, yeah, yeah. We're here for the, uh, the sweet, delicious torture of romance and all that. <laughs> but, it, but it plays as um, pragmatism. Right? It's just completely ordinary. If I do this, then this happens. Mm. And I'll be fine. And he's just wrong. He's mm. just deluding himself. Yeah. Uh, the idea that you know maybe we can have an affair and no one finds out, maybe it'll be fine. If we do have an affair and everyone finds out, I just, I just want to do this. And um, he talks himself into making a bad decision. I mean, that that's the whole the, the internal monologue of someone who is definitely knows he's doing the wrong thing, but refuses to put it in those terms. So he right. keeps moving the goalposts and adjusting. And, yeah, and justifies it. Mm-hmm. Again, that's something that comes up in Acquainted as well. You know, just the constant stream of slight changes to the plan, where it's like, no, we'll just hang out. Well, we'll kiss a little. Well, and mm-hmm. it just
1: keeps going. I think, uh, yeah, he he lets. What I like, I think he like turns the movie onto Chloe after it being Frederick's movie for the first two mm-hmm. acts. You know, like he, and then you know we're seeing Frederick want to participate and want to participate and, and you know, we only hear his voiceover, which Romero had kind of dropped after using in the first few films, mm-hmm. but then came back to it. He, uh, and then it's, I think it ends up as the impact on the women in Frederick's life, rather than any, I don't see much change in him. He sort of pushed this romance as far as he could to the point where he literally had to run away and then but the impact on Chloe is there where now she's fallen in love with someone who want you know yeah. can't participate in that love in in the correct way and you know with with her pitching like them having a kid together I, I feel like she's just testing him okay but like that's a hard test yeah. you know and I think he plays it out pretty far of like yeah sure you know like what's a what's a baby between friends yes, right. <laughs> I think that's what's a kiss between friends or what's a night together between friends or what's this kid and what's this you know and then and then when he needs to act he sort of has to that's when he runs home and and you see that his wife has it's wrecked her him not yeah. being present and these sort of these collection of lies and it's I, I that I took a lot of influence from with Acquainted and... and the emotional withdrawal. Yeah. And the turn towards oh. seeing the effect, you know, mm-hmm. of in the relationship itself as a sort of... I guess that's... I guess that's a spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> 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 that's okay. People watch a movie. It's not about...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really isn't. I, I thought about this when I was writing a review too. It's like, how far do I go in describing the plot? And right. it's sort of about... I mean, the film is kind of about inevitability, but it's also mean to to start saying that out loud. Mm. Uh, But we have the it's it's really more about the audience's interest in rooting against it and understanding that that this will, if it happens, it will be a mistake. And what does it mean to the people on the periphery? Yeah. But you know, we get to see them be themselves, not a version of themselves that that the protagonists Mm. see. But mm. I really found that interesting is that you don't give them the out of, um, well, yeah, I'm in the wrong relationship. I, I deserve something else. Yeah. You know, they're just they're nicely paired, they're good people, and it's just all on him. Could be happy. Yeah, probably are happy. <clears throat> it's yeah. a,
1: that, that you know, that's
0: what's so And both of your films have home ownership as the trigger for these <laughs> horrible events.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I'm that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah the you know the house I, I live in now, you know, I bought with my ex and then we broke up and then I made edging and <laughs> now we've made acquaintance. So I think the trilogy will if if we get to a trilogy maybe, the third one maybe happens, I'll have made it sense. To with it.
0: Maybe Isn't that how it ends it, with the house being sold it
1: might have to or be. Or demolished. Yeah. <laughs> Build another one. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, a, it's that uh with Love in the Afternoon I think you get you get that... I don't know if it's satisfying at the end that he goes back to his wife, which, like, that catches the audience in such a, an uncomfortable place of, like, oh, I get it. Like, this is the right choice, but I think that, I guess, the ambiguity of... of I get moral ambiguity is... It's not satisfying. I don't think he's offering satisfaction. Yeah. No, I at the think end we're, so, it, we're supposed
0: to be left with the sense that he'll regret the decision, both decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, one not to go forward. Every single decision. <laughs> uh, because the, the just, you know, the, the dramatic resolution that would be um, more, I guess, more satisfying to an audience is that he doesn't go off with Chloe, but neither does he stay with his wife. Yeah. That he has to be punished. Right. Um, for morally because that's what we expect
1: mm-hmm.
0: and or that he goes off with clothing and they live happily ever after because she should have been the one all along mm-hmm. but the decision to go back and be a you know in quotes be a good husband I think is the like his real punishment he's punishing himself wow. for his transgressions I think yeah. uh, but he can't articulate that wow. it's just that weird European aristocratic mentality of falling on your sword mm. right? like you will He's going to punish himself by returning to a loving marriage. Right. Uh, he just sees it as... That's how he will see it, I think, for the rest of his life, as the, as the compromise.
1: A thing that, as I rewatched it, really kind of bugged me was as his wife is sort of exposing this fear she has and sort of... There's a moment... He said, he said are we alone here? I think is the like last thing... Or no, the last thing is, let's go to a, a room. Mm. But I think he sort of projects towards she's been cheating on him the entire time as well. Mm. I, I'd never read that before, before this last screening. And then mm. to have... I think he would want her to have been, right? Oh, he would have been thrilled. That gives him the out. Absolutely. But then that they, like, she's bawling. She's breaking down. And his solve is like, unzip her dress. And it just struck me as like that's that's romero's sort of like thesis on men is yes. like you know it's it's yeah. sex doesn't solve anything that you know we've
0: <laughs> learned that in these films if nothing yeah. else but i think it's yeah the 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 thing that he's always done before he's just falling into a pattern or mm-hmm. he's reaching for a pattern that will be nostalgic as well as an argument ender yeah. something that just Puts them back together again, f- yeah. literally, physically, but we know it isn't the right
1: call. No, it seems yeah. it seems so damaging to to skip straight to the bedroom. You mm-hmm. know, that's well, desperate.
0: It's yeah. yeah, It's the it's the thing in this film that feels uh, weirdly enough. I'm going to bring up Eyes Wide Shut, which ends with you know that exchange. I know that I know right. what we have to do now. Yeah, and what's that? Fuck. and yeah. it's like Kubrick treats that as a triumphant ending right i mean you could argue that it's satirical and and corrosive but the whole story of that film is this couple getting back together physically properly figuring themselves out again Mm -hmm. and it felt to me like a weird empty echo of the relationship they used to have like it won't be the same because we just had the scene with uh, cruz finding the mask in the bed and and that trust is shattered, and you know whether it's a dream or not. That's what this whole thing has been about: is that mm-hmm. he can't trust his wife, and so to have her express interest in sex at the very end, yeah, okay, I get it. But then there's this clown music starting up, so I don't, I don't know that Kubrick intends that as a big happy out. Right. And Romare gets that. Yeah. He understands that sex is sex. It doesn't. It, it's not intimacy necessarily. It like, can it can be. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think he's that Frederick is returning to the marriage as a punishment because he's going to do this he's literally going through the motions yeah. of seducing her right but it won't fix anything no and neither of them like they'll go through with it but they'll just do that forever that's just that's their destiny
1: yeah and the temptation is it'll just be whoever the next yeah. sort of person that comes into his life i feel like he sort of hints at those like but the woman at the the clothes store you know it could it could have been her mm-hmm. i think that's sort of you know, it happened to be Chloe, because she spent the time, but it, like, she definitely was very open to it all along, yeah. just waiting for someone to sort of challenge what he was waiting for.
0: Yeah, it's whoever's
1: the most receptive, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, we call this the Clooney problem,
0: where <laughs> your character is, you know, magnetic and wonderful and perfect in every way, and he loves his wife, and... He's happily married, but ooh, look, look how appealing that is to other women, and it's it's a male fantasy, and yeah, it's a definitely. creepy one that keeps recurring. Yeah. But I think with with Romare, he understands that it's a fantasy for a reason. That it's it's something that you maybe daydream about, but that no one really should have. And yeah, he's being punished for his his flirtation mm-hmm. uh, because he's forced to feel about it. He feels. He's attracted to Chloe, he's drawn to her, but at the same time, his, he's betraying. He knows what he's doing, and he's mm-hmm. trying desperately to pretend he's not. Right. Which, I know, I've, I've said that before, but it's... He, the, said,
1: he sort of, that first monologue while he's on the train, or the the voiceover, he's kind of saying he's like... My attra-, he says, my attraction to these other women only fosters my attraction to my wife, and... Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, all right, man. <laughs> if that's what if that's what works for you but it uh because it's in voiceover i think you just take it right you sort of like yeah you don't question no he you're like oh wow that's that's so benevolent you know like that's what a beautiful gesture how romantic you know Mm -hmm. and instead of feeling Yeah. yeah That's such an empty, loaded statement.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, it's if someone actually said that, you would say, oh, come on. You, right. You wouldn't believe it. No, you're just attracted to these people. <laughs> yeah. But these are the lies he tells himself. Mm-hmm. and hmm um, And eventually he starts to believe, or maybe he does already believe it by the time we catch up to him, but then when he acts on it, it challenges everything, and it, it yeah. shatters his image of himself as a nice guy. Which, you know, now that plays even creepier because totally. we're in this place now where we're constantly hopefully interrogating what it is to be a good person and to perceive yourself as an ally or as a friend uh, when he's just running around preying on single women yeah I mean again you could dis- you could kind of hand wave it then as well it's French you know that's what they do mm-hmm. but eh, the whole culture of mistresses and things that's also predatory and um, it's transactional and totally. it's, it's all yeah
1: and yeah, he sort of, because we see some of his, like, business partners be more sort of blatantly shitty towards yeah. his secretaries as sort of Frederick just sort of laughs and is a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I wish you wouldn't
0: do that. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, he gets away with his sort of larger, like, what does he say? I think he says we could have hired old hags, but we didn't because we like to have beautiful people around. Which, I. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> but it's another rationalization. People, people right? do it's... like having beautiful people around, but it's it, it sort of because he gets to f- shield himself and frame it under sort of just like, it's what I prefer, then... Mm-hmm. But still appear magnanimous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know I'm doing it, but I'm still doing it. Right. I'm acknowledging it. How can it be so bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just part of the world that is accepted... Probably still is accepted, but certainly was in the early seventies, and and the sexual revolution was going on. But you could ignore it if you really tried. <laughs> you know, if you were a man of means, you didn't have to think about the ra- the ramifications of your actions. Mm. And um, you know, it's France. I mean, that that whole noblesse oblige thing. Like he's not wealthy, but he's very comfortable. And, sure that's the world because that's the again that's the world you want to see in movies right you want to fantasize about living in that apartment or in that uh, working in that office or wearing that
1: suit Mm -hmm. and just turtlenecks
0: yeah (laughs) so many turtlenecks yeah well as was the style at the time but um, uh, it's the romance of living the life I think that appeals
1: right being able to wander around Paris and have sandwiches when you want and and buy a sweater from a pretty woman when you want you yeah. know and be talked into looking handsome like she does and mm-hmm. yeah and then it, it is real it seems great until until you're running out of a naked woman's apartment yeah. you know because you're so scared
0: yeah which is again something that not every film would go to right the idea yeah. that yeah this is it's a terrifying moment i think But it's also, it's so perceptive about it. Mm -hmm. We see the levers being worked. We see why, we understand why he's panicking. And it's good. Yeah. He should be. Yeah. But, yeah, it's still sympathetic somehow. We're still on his side. Hmm. In a weird way. That's it. Because all along we've been hoping for him to come to his senses.
1: That's, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that moment might make him more of a coward. Mm. It like, it's... It's, he's not having his cake, he's not eating it too, there's no, like, you know, he's he's leaving himself, I, I feel like I'm more sympathetic for Chloe in that moment, where I'm saying, oh, the, this, she put all this faith in just, just a coward who, who couldn't even follow through on proper infidelity, you right. know, it's like, true. it's sort of, it's immature of him, you know, like, it, it which is... Probably saying too much about myself, but it uh, <laughs> but it feels like he's he's the one letting down both romances, you know, like there's not oh, yeah, yeah, space for well, at, at that point, all the sin has been committed, and the like letting sex, it, you know, having sex wouldn't make it more or less, right? You know, that's not the like the manifestation of the physical isn't the thing. Yeah, like no, all he's, the he's emotional still yeah, his, it's all his relationship. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Which is the thing, like though, that you know, that that's the the classic fallback in any romantic comedy or drama is nothing happened. But mm-hmm. that's not true. That's never true. No. Unless it's a legitimate misunderstanding where you literally didn't Confide in the other person, or 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 the the new person. You know, like, it's an emotional affair. It's still an affair. That's why it's called totally. an affair. Yeah. And what we get here is the sense that he is, yeah, he's doing the. He thinks that this is going to absolve him. He's he's doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but after days, months, <laughs> weeks, <or> months, <laughs> of, yeah, of tiny transgressions that just keep making it worse. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's it's great. Yeah, he's in it, he's in it,
0: and all in ninety eight minutes. It's just, you know. It always surprises me how short his films are because they feel they don't feel long or boring, but they feel dense. They yeah. feel Like they contain so yeah. much more.
1: It, I think his emotional arcs for people are he allows for so much nuance in each beat, right? Like he he, I, I think. It's a, it's something that I've been surprised by. With people's reaction to acquainted actually is how how much they appreciate some silence and some watching characters feel stuff because I think especially from people around my age who generally aren't given the credit that they want to engage that way right like sure yeah. you know my generation is sort of told that they want you know like uh, give me give me it quick and give me it you know but. I think there's people want to feel stuff with characters and don't need to be told how to sort of judge one way or the other, you know. And I, I think that's a something we borrowed heavily from from Romare.
0: Yeah, I mean, you live in the space with them yeah. in the film. We see the negotiations of just like day to day life. That's I, honestly that's why I find those things interesting. I I want to know what other people do. Mm-hmm. They're just you know <laughs> yeah. sitting still. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we established this before the,
1: the podcast started, where I, I shocked you that <laughs> you have not seen the Chris Rock remake. I have not seen the Chris Rock remake. What's it called? I Think I Love My Wife. I Think I Love My Wife. Which actually is... I'm really excited. It's the worst title, though, because it telegraphs how it's going to work. Yeah. Right?
0: And, and it's also a weird title, frankly. Um, but it's... So it's, it's Chris Rock as Frederick, effectively. Right. Um, he's married to...
1: In uh, New York? Uh, Los, I want to say oh. Los
0: Angeles, but it might be New York. It's been 10 weeks okay. since I've seen it. Yeah. I did not care for it. <laughs> um, but he's with um, he's with Gina Torres, and he's tempted by uh, Kerry Washington. It is effectively an update. It is... Uh, I think Rock referred to it as his Woody Allen movie. Wow. Uh, but it sort of reminds you why Woody Allen didn't try making Romare films. Huh. Um, and it was written by Rock and Louis C.K., which is now also problematic. Yeah. But um, it's... It's a little more broad, a little more comic, and it doesn't work in an American context. Oh, it couldn't. No, because what it desperately tries to ignore is how moral America is, mm-hmm. as opposed to Europe, Yeah, generally. Um, what is also weird, though, is it doesn't deal with the hypocrisy of people in America having affairs all the time. It's not that America is better, they just pretend they are. Mm-hmm. So that disconnect derails the tension, I think. Right. And, as much as I like Chris Rock,
1: I just don't think he's the right guy to play this role he's he's there's a mustache that he's got in the poster that doesn't ring true yeah. for him. I feel like that's not that's not the Chris Rock mustache
0: yeah. he's as an actor, he's got a pretty narrow lane mm-hmm. um, he plays a version of himself that isn't like there's nothing wrong with that that's no. that's a strength really yeah. for comedy. but he's trying to play someone who's more conflicted than he's able to comfortably express right. on
1: camera I guess it's tough yeah. yeah i i think that like being able to to play both sides of that of that desire is not easy i i think that's a i think it's a real challenge i think it's i think that's what you know Chloe in Love in the Afternoon does so well is mm-hmm. is, is tempt but not Cross lines until she feels ready to, but you can see the sort of path to her crossing the line. You know, yeah, she has to be invited in.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Kerry Washington's character is much more predatory mm. in the in the rock right. thing. She's trying to fuck up the relationship,
1: or she's just trying to fuck
0: him, right? Okay, um, and and not caring about the relationship, um, right? It, which is something. It's a different calculus, right? Like it's a different, Definitely. moral and emotional place. Yeah. But the other problem, I think, is that Rock directed it, and someone else might have gotten a better performance from him. Mm. Someone who was just willing to push him a little bit.
1: I have no idea how people act and direct at the same time. Yeah, I'm... it seems impossible to me. I like it's. I've acted a little bit in my life, but it. Uh, and I couldn't imagine <laughs> stepping from behind the camera. I like, in Quintet, I like. Literally just walk by in one scene and I hated it. I, <laughs> I can't stand. It. I'll never do it again. It, like they my producer pressed me into to doing it as a little cameo, but I hated it so much <laughs> that I fucked up one of the takes because oh, no. I was watching the performance too much as I walked by. Well yeah, I agree. I think often people do themselves a disservice by by not doing one or the other. I bet he would have directed it better as well probably if he was directing someone else you know yeah
0: well he's he he's he's able to do he directed top five didn't he the, the film about a chris rock light comedian played by chris rock that works because he's being himself right or a version of himself and he's oh, just yeah. sort of coasting I like top five through that film it's it's really pleasant yeah um and it's also about being tempted weirdly enough mm. Uh but I think I love my wife is one of those things where it's just like it wrong foots itself from the very beginning. Right. You you can't. I mean, you can tell the story in an American context. I'm sure it's possible, but you can't tell it in a joking way. No, you've got to take it seriously.
1: I wonder if it would play different now. I feel like attitudes around monogamy are changing. as sort of as people become more comfortable with like sort of gender spectrum mm. and sexuality you know and moving away from heteronormity that like it just just the things we expected about sexuality I wonder if it would play different now yeah I wonder if there's a more understanding or an audience to I think people would (laughs) my 10 years ago would be grossed out that they're seeing themselves on screen in that way. Oh, I see. Yeah. And now might be like, Oh, okay, it's not just me, you know? Like I think I hope so. <laughs> I hope that there's space for that.
0: Yeah. I mean I want to believe there are stories that haven't been told yet. That we can see. Gotta can, be. That we can yeah enjoy and understand. Yeah. The the other thing that I wonder about is whether or not it's simply that now like we are what 60 years into generations that have lived longer than any previous generations yeah. and it's just regularly it's expected that you're going to be unless you get hit by a bus or get sick you're probably going to make it to 90 crazy. You should expect this or yeah. 100 and you you know marriage is a concept and I I uh, Kate and I're celebrating our 15th anniversary in, Mar- in May and, and we're very thank you 50. we're all 15 yeah 50
1: one five. Like, I was like 50 You keep Arm, saying 50 It's freaking me out <laughs> uh,
0: But no 15's we, amazing Yeah we've been married 15, We will have been married 15 years next month Wow And um, And It's one of those things Where like I'm Perfectly Content uh, I like, mean It's a good marriage I, I love her She loves me We're happy mm-hmm. Um, But I could also understand That you know We got married in our 30s And if you get married In your 20s 15 years is 40 Yeah Twenty-five years is fifty, yeah. and you're still looking at another fifty years. Like I get that that sense that uh, that marriage itself is being rethought. Like it's no longer um, it's no longer a taboo to get divorced. Obviously, but yeah. now it's not even a taboo to refer to a marriage in progress as a starter marriage, right. which. A friend of mine did once, and it freaked me out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? You're not gonna? You don't? You don't see this? this? Is and what he meant was he was just trying to figure out how to do it. Right. But he had every intention of staying. But just knowing that there's that making best
1: effort. Yeah. Doesn't equal staying in something that's unpleasant. Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah. And just the idea that marriage is now something that you know you can get out of easily if you need to. Right. That just sort of devalues the commitment potentially right
1: or someone said in the QA at our premiere the other day they were like you know not even that long ago a hundred years 150 years ago by the time you were bored in your marriage you were gonna die anyway yeah. so you might as well just stick around exactly. you know and that's that I mean that was a thing that Romero probably would have been aware of too yeah the sense that you would, you
0: expect it to be forever because you have no conception of forever actually lasting
1: mm-hmm forevers it's a long time yeah <laughs> I I've been realizing that like so I you know I was with my ex for the bulk of my 20s on a you know we we bought a house and we're on a path to to having children uh, we weren't if things had continued at the trajectory they were on at 25 if you'd told me that at 31 I didn't have two kids I'd be surprised okay right and so I've been reconciling Younger Natty's expectations of who thirty one year old Natty would be, and I don't feel old, but i I feel behind who I'd expected to be at this point instead of having kids. I think I made these two movies, but it like I mean that's not bad you know <laughs> but but also my sort of perspective on commitment has pivoted in a way that that feels new and I think that I see a lot of friends who were in those in similar relationships to mine of with like people they met in university, you know, and then uh marrying those people because that's the trajectory. Right, that's what you do. But now they're getting divorced. Yeah. Right? And so which like hopefully best for everyone, but I feel a a perspective on marriage that, like, I got about as close to it as, you know, like, the government considered me married, you know, but I didn't go through the process, and I think it's something that, that my generation is new for us because success in love, we know... Isn't marriage, mm-hmm. right? I think we're all aware because we saw our parents, and it didn't. I think we're the first generation. We're like, we all know that monogamy's or like, forever love might be bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. we can talk about it a bit more openly because we're seeing all our parents sort of going through it. But yep, you know, maybe. Maybe Chris Rock should remake it again yeah. now, and that'll that'll play. There'll be a, there'll be a better audience for it. I wonder. Now.
0: Yeah, I wonder. He would probably cast somebody younger. He couldn't do it himself. Probably. Maybe that's the point. Yeah. Although, Chris Rock in is, what is it, fifties? Probably. He's got to be my age. Yeah.
1: I'd say like fifty. Yeah. He's got teenage daughters, I think. Yeah. You know, that's around, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he was making movies in the early twenty in, the, in his early twenties and yeah. I wonder. I, I mean, I wonder what it would look like now. Mm-hmm. It would, realistically, it would probably look a lot like your movie, which is how we get to the final question <laughs> right. of, the, of the podcast, which is, you know, what if anything have you lifted, borrowed, stolen, or, or incorporated from "Love in the Afternoon" into your own
1: creative work? I think. Um, I, I I think in "Acquainted," we tried to not judge, and it was something that we we really worked towards in the script and and didn't want any one character to be wrong or right or... And I think we sort of lead rightness or wrongness in a couple of different directions and then come back towards it. You know? And I think that's something that Romare did so well is let characters be bad but justify the badness or let characters be seen as better but then show that there's some maliciousness to it and and what we've found in responses from audiences with acquainted so far is some people will be like oh I I was a drew in my last relationship and a Claire in my relationship before that and an Alex in my current yeah. relation you know and and letting and I think it's such a testament to the actors for portraying it without without casting their own judgments, you know, and and letting the audience take what they will rather than say, this is how we want you to leave feeling, which I think, uh, you know, with love and romance and sex, you don't get to... You're not sure how you're going to come out the other end, you know, and I think that's a... I think that's what we took a lot from from Love in the Afternoon.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the film understands that nobody's just one thing nobody's Mm -hmm. just one person you know there's a side of yourself you show to your partner there's a side of yourself you show to your friends and then there's the thing that comes out when you're attracted to somebody and you're trying to amalgamate all your best selves and show them that Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's wise in a way that Romero's films are I think to show that to to point that out to the audience and, and explain and it you know it's That tells me the movie gets me that it understands that I'm watching it looking for those things, Mm. not just passively sitting there watching
1: pretty people. It is a conversation with the audience saying, you know, maybe this isn't how you're expecting it to go. Right. I I think that's smart. That's why you called them
0: moral tales, right? Yeah. Because they're there to challenge us. The Twilight Zone does the same thing in a bizarre (laughs) way. What would you do? So probably probably just probably the gremlin would eat me. Right. But (laughs) but the, the that universal sense of this is the sort of situation that anyone can find themselves in, and it is how you see it that defines how you respond to it. I, mm. You know, I like that. I like I liked it too, yeah. Being acknowledged, uh, not being acknowledged, I like the sense of complexity that a film allows me to experience, mm-hmm. rather than just say, it can only go one way. You know, mm-hmm. we've all seen the story, and we're going to do it exactly the same way as all the other ones yeah. because
1: that's what feels safe. And we're going to satisfy your expectations and and make you feel like you're definitely right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's boring to me. I, you know, who? That's not what I'm going to the theater for, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad Acquainted is out there for people to to, to see the, the same kind of stakes, to see you know, a story that is actually about stuff.
1: Uh, <laughs> Thank you, man. And
0: also represents, <laughs> you know contemporary reality um, which is interconnectedness doesn't necessarily make everything better and and, distance isn't the big challenge it used to be but intimacy is now a big challenge which I think that's something that like that feels distressingly true in a weird way Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know how else to
1: being single is it's a daunting thing and seeing all those other things and all the happy people Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or yeah, I it's tough. Yeah. yeah, I think the access thing is right. Yeah, but the culture
0: will help us understand.
1: Yeah, we're, we're doomed. It's all bad. We're all...
0: <laughs> My thanks to Natty Zavitz, whose new movie Acquainted is in theaters right now in Toronto and Vancouver, and you should see it while it's in there. Then check out Edging on iTunes. Thanks also to Jen Paris. She knows what she did. You can find Natty on Twitter at Natty underscore YYZ, N-A-T-T-Y underscore YYZ. And you can still find Love in the Afternoon on DVD in the Criterion Collection's Six Moral Tales box set if you're willing to pay out-of-print prices. There is an HD version available for rental and purchase on iTunes and on Amazon and Canopy in the U.S., so I'm hoping that means the film and the entire cycle will be streaming on the brand new Criterion channel before too long. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, mcast and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. <laughs> And oh, uh, we'll we'll talk about it in the uh, in the course of the episode. But did you uh, have you seen uh, the the Chris Rock version? I think I love my wife.
1: What? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering. <laughs> uh, what?